0: Okay. Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge. Today, David Morrison and I jump into a conversation in and around um, being alone. We visit the gospel from this past week from Matthew 14 and um, lead lead the conversation off with a quote from Sarah. Lawrence Lightfoot, and uh, sort of look at this idea of of spending time alone uh, with God, with a higher power, and eventually um, evolve into this idea of of being in a liminal space um, and experiencing that connectedness. But before we get into that, thank you to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob Nedia at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. If you want to learn more about, Uh, desert rain as a community the ruined.com is a place to go for that drcrpod.com is a place to go to find other episodes or whichever podcatcher you found this episode on Uh, dreamwalkaway.com is a place to go to get david's book desolate beauty the book of light and shadow Um, if you'd like to watch uh, listen peruse an American Sign Language translation of the book. Go to YouTube and search Dream Walker Way. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you and let's get into it. Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio. Dispatches from the Verge. David Morrison,
1: Radio Free New Mexico.
0: Danny West. Hey, hey how's it going? Hey, hey. Um, <laughs> we're gonna talk about being alone. This past Sunday, we read where Jesus went up on a mountain before walking on water, and uh, and unrelated. But sort of related, David has a quote that he's going to lead us off with.
1: That we just looked up five minutes ago. Five, sec- <laughs> five seconds ago. <laughs> yes, this is by Sarah Lawrence Lightfoot in her book, Balm and Gilead. I believe she's an educator.
0: No relation to Lori Lightfoot, the old... Mayor of Chicago.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Or Gordon the, Lightfoot, the, the Canadian the folk singer. <laughs> the late, Gordon Lightfoot. The late uh-huh. Gordon Lightfoot, who wrote Sundown and The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Ooh, that's a good others. one. Yeah. So, yeah. So in her book, Sarah Lawrence Lightfoot, uh, in Balm and Gilead, she writes about being alone. She says, being alone, physically alone atop a mountain. Reminds me of how seldom one is alone in the sort of urbanized life we live nowadays. Speak for herself. As I sat, there was a certain peace which I was able to capture for a moment. This physical aloneness is by no means the same as loneliness, not even close kin to it. For I was not alone on occasions when I am able to get to a mountaintop. The realization of the nature of the mountaintop experience Returns anew. Boom. Indeed.
0: Yeah, there's something really... So it, this feels almost like a continuation of our conversation last week around the silences. But this idea of one, being alone. And two, specifically in nature.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, like yeah, right,
0: like yeah. outside of the four walls of a dwelling cuz you you know it's it's not necessarily easy but you know there's there's something it's probably better said this way there's something to be said about sitting in nature away away from the world so to speak that there there's a um, certain connection that happens with with an individual and a god in those moments
1: until the mosquitoes show up,
0: but I mean that's just God coming to suck <laughs> on you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean I know I know you have a ton of experience with that, and and um, there's something about well, we talked about or I talked about on Saturday the creative process of being alone, removing right, yeah friends, removing family, removing the pressures of others to be able to have that communion with God one on one. Um what 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 has been your experience with that as someone that seeks that aloneness? I mean it, I mean you talk about it from when you were a kid. You would yeah venture out and seek that aloneness. Um
1: yeah and you see it in the gospel pattern. That's the the life of Christ, right? It seems like the pattern in the story is that he's always trying to be alone, and then he gets interrupted by crowds, and so he heals them, and
0: and even asks people like, "Don't talk about this."
1: Yeah, tells them, "Shut, <laughs> shut up about it." Yeah.
0: This this miracle I did, don't
1: anti ads. Yeah. Uh, and so it seems like that's that's a very common thing, and he, and he very seldom says things like, "Come away." by yourselves to a, a lonely, deserted place, um, which, you know, I would assume in first century Palestine was an easy place. Mm-hmm. Those were easy to find, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, yeah. And so I, I I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, the,
0: your, your connection with being a or seeking yeah, to be yeah. alone to commune with God.
1: Yeah. So, if, you know, there's something about... Growing up in the desert, you know, the desert is a very peculiar place for that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you see it in the great religions, right? You see, uh, you know, you see Buddha going off to, Gautama Buddha going off to a, a Rocky Mountain uh, not the Rocky Mountains, right? But, yeah, in the Himalayas, or as they like to say, the Hama- Himalayas.
0: If, if if it if it was, he would have been inspired by John Denver.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's correct. I think they were Freaking in a band Buddha. together for a while. Uh, yeah, and you see it with Muhammad in a cave. You see it with uh, Moses wandering in the wilderness by himself, and then gets mm-hmm. accosted by uh, a burning bush. Uh, And then you, and then you, so you see it all through, you know, Mm. and then Jesus wandering in the desert and then going off to isolated, lonely places as a lifestyle. Right. So, yeah. And it's, it's very counterintuitive. Uh, You know, most people in modern ministry, you have to be with people. You have to be justifying the building or, you know, you have to always be busy and that proves that God loves you. Well, and
0: even, I mean, I don't know if we've joked about it on here, but definitely off mic, the, the vineyard census each year. Yeah. How many yeah. people, you know, how many baptisms did you get? How yeah, many yeah. conversions did you get? So how might, many, it's just a sales.
1: Yeah. It's just Amway Jesus. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been saying that and it, you know, it's a multi, uh, what is the, uh. Multi-level marketing. Yeah. That's yeah, all it is. A, it's a pyramid it's a, scheme. It's a, yeah, yeah. it's a scam, you know, and. In That sense, you know, I'm saying it from a cynical point of view, uh, right? Because
0: some of that, if you're running an organization, which every church is, right? That stuff is important, yeah. If you want to keep running an organization, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's just not obviously, it's not how Jesus operated, mm-hmm. and, and the, yeah, we claim to follow him, so there's so there is that, you know. yeah, uh, so yeah. Uh-
0: But your personal experience with aloneness?
1: Yeah, it's very it's been very important to me for my whole life. Obviously, if you've listened to this podcast since childhood was I was drawn to go out into the mysterious desert and walk out there. Uh, and the desert's peculiar because it's also um, if you go to a forest, there's so much going on mm-hmm. there. There's so much life surrounding you, you could become overwhelmed or a rainforest.
0: Well, it's, it I was, was that's what I was going is that, uh, I think I told you recently, listened to a podcast with a guy. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And he said, when you sleep in, he was talking about the Amazon rainforest very specifically. But he said, when you sleep out there and you wake up in the morning, it's the loudest yeah, it's definite, you I'm could sure. encounter. He said, there's no, he's like, there's no, uh, any kind of like idealized of, silence is like because there's so much life yeah um he said it, it's one of those unbelievable things to encounter
1: the sweet peaceful natural sounds of animals trying to screw and kill each other yeah, that's so exactly better. what he said i mean <laughs> not he? those words but yeah <laughs> ah nature uh whereas the desert is truly quiet yeah and uh as as um towns van Zant said the desert's quiet and cleveland's cold uh and so, um, yeah. So it's so it's a very peculiar kind of thing because there's not a whole lot of life, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is, but it, it's very hidden.
0: Well, and especially in the in the in the middle of the day, you're not going to encounter right. any of it. You know, you might hear a branch here, break here and there in the morning of something yeah. scurrying around, but uh, two o'clock rolls around and, and that
1: no, everybody's that on.
0: incredible silence is is upon you, so to yeah, speak. Yeah,
1: exactly. So. So yeah so there's there's truly a silence there's truly an aloneness an alone kind of feeling and that's just always drawn me um, I can't explain why mm-hmm. it just always has and uh, always will
0: and and how do you feel that his um, you know having had been a pastor and um, you know every week getting in front of of a lot of people yeah um, how did that time alone? And, and I'm not, it's not a black and white thing, obviously preaching to people and, and cause you're a teacher, you were a teacher right, to right. fed you in a, in a, in a spiritual way. Um, but how did your time alone, that time of away from yeah. the, the people maybe inform or fuel you for the the yeah. other side of that same coin?
1: No, I definitely at that time saw a direct correlation between the two. So. So the depth of aloneness would have correlated to mm. the depth that I could serve. Uh, with, and you were actively aware of that as it oh, yeah. was unfolding. Really? Yeah, absolutely.
0: How did that come to be?
1: I don't know. Uh, maybe through uh, prayer books, maybe. Mm. And, um, and just seeing it in the gospel pattern, you know, mm-hmm. uh, cause he would go, you know, again, he would go off sometimes pray all night. And then in the day, you know, minister to mm-hmm. hundreds of people um so yeah and and keep in mind I was also in my 20s and 30s so I had a lot more energy mm-hmm. and time mm-hmm. I could sleep 4 hours a night oh, okay and uh and get away with it you know yeah your, kind of bi-
0: your ability to yeah fit both of those things in yeah, on, exactly. a, on a weekly basis so, so did you i <clears throat> i guess i don't know Maybe you've mentioned it before, but did you have sort of a routine for the week? Oh, yeah. You, yeah, it was very regimented. What did that look like? I don't
1: know how I found time for video games. That's that's what astounds me. I don't know how you
0: honestly... And listening to music. and We've talked about in the past, but being a full-time pastor, a full-time teacher... Yeah, and, I don't know what... Yeah, And playing, like having these other hobbies of hiking and video game playing.
1: And then Marsh and I were also really into uh, an AM... Radio program called oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Coast yeah. to Coast with Art yep. Bell. So we would go driving at past. It came on at midnight. Yep. yep. <laughs> so we would go driving. Well, late out. <laughs>
0: night, late night surprise. <laughs> I don't know where.
1: I yeah. It's, it felt like back when I was young. I, a you were late f- night drive before it was cool to. be I late was a night late night driver. <laughs> 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 before there was a ban.
0: But um. But yeah. So what did that reg- like? What did, what did that your week layout look like?
1: Well let's let's start with Sunday I would get up at four in the morning on a Sunday Jesus morning Christ. Uh, because you know I felt very devoted to prayer yeah and study so I would prepare a sermon and then Marsha and and the the team would go would probably leave the house about eight o'clock okay and uh, go set up at the school for the church the sound and all that and the the music mm-hmm. the the sound system and the children's, Hey, children! The children's stuff. We had camera, you know, closed circuit television at the mm-hmm. time. Set up the cables for that. Uh, wire up the classrooms. Uh, then I'd show up about... I, I think we started at 10.30. So I think I showed up about 9.30 or maybe. and So then give a sermon, do the service. Then we would pack everything up into storage.
0: I, I thought you did multiple services. Or do I remember no, that no. incorrectly?
1: Okay. No, we just did one. Okay. Uh,
0: did you ever do multiple?
1: No. Well, when I was at the, when I was the youth pastor at the oh, mega church, maybe that's what I am yeah thinking that about. was a multi service yeah, 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 yeah. right right okay especially okay. Christmas time we'd have sometimes five yeah. <laughs> services <Jesus laughs> ridiculous Christ. yeah it was ridiculous <laughs> but anyway uh
0: so but for the when you were. When, when I, yeah, yeah, I was pastoring one own time church or yeah. one, one service a day.
1: So we'd pack up everything, throw it back into the storage. Then we'd meet with new people at a restaurant, take a quick nap in the afternoon on Sunday, and then do a six o'clock to usually about 10 o'clock mm. uh, or seven o'clock, seven to 10 mm-hmm, prayer mm-hmm. meeting, which I guess was a service. What but did it, that look uh, like? was at a house. Uh, sometimes, depending on where we met, it met a different there came a point where we met at my house. We had to literally take the furniture out of the living room to fit everyone. <laughs> and
0: uh, That's incredible. And we
1: would sit there and, quote, unquote, wait on God and pray yeah. uh, and sing. We had, we had right. worship, singing Very cool. kind of stuff. And then, yeah, and then everybody would leave. And then we're, Marshall and I would wind. Uh, we called it land the hel- Land the Airplane. Mm-hmm. And there was a show called Home Movies Cartoon. Mm-hmm. We'd watch that like at midnight and fall asleep sometime about one. Then I would get up at 530 because we had a 630 prayer meeting in the morning on Monday. Every, oh, just
0: on Mondays? Or? We prayed
1: seven. We prayed. We had two prayer meetings seven nights a week or seven days a week. A morning and an evening prayer meeting seven nights a week for about five, six years.
0: And this was all the time while you also had your church going.
1: Right. And yeah. I was teaching yeah. full time. So I do this little prayer meeting and then jump off to work, go teach, and then come back home. Usually go for a walk. So this is by Monday through mm-hmm. Friday. Go for a walk in the desert. Uh, come home.
0: Would you intentionally do that walk on your own?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I was always a part of what I did. Right. Uh,
0: yeah, because we've talked about when you were a kid. Yeah. How you would take, walk or your bike into the desert. Yeah.
1: And so, yeah, I walk for, you know, an hour and a half or so, two hours. Take a dog with me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, come home. And if Monday night, Monday night, I think was a, so we would have a prayer meeting at seven. Uh, you know, and usually those are smaller, you mm-hmm. know, lighter attendance. So people would leave by eight o'clock or mm-hmm. so and then have the rest of the evening
0: and that was Monday through Friday, right? Yeah. Or Saturday. You do it Saturday. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't yeah, teach Saturday. on set. What would, would you do church? I mean, besides the prayer meetings, other church stuff on Saturdays.
1: Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. We would do, uh, what we called outreaches, community mm, outreaches, yeah, yeah, right, you right. know, we'd go take a band and set up at a parking lot mm-hmm. somewhere and grill hot dogs and Ask people to like us. <laughs> Come hang out. <laughs> Come to our church, please. Look, we're not weirdos. We're giving you a free hot dog. So pathetic. Uh, anyway, yeah. Or, or, yeah or, or just meeting with people. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of that, you know. Uh, so, yeah.
0: And so would you, on Saturdays, I guess, would you build in any um, of that alone time? Either going in the desert or you know what I mean? Yeah, that was a daily Oh the walk was a daily. Daily. yeah, thing. except yeah. for maybe
1: Sundays. Yeah. Um yeah. It was my decompression, you know, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So Yeah.
0: And so and going from that or go ahead.
1: Oh, and different different venues meant different things to me over the years. So like what yeah, what so in childhood it was the railroad tracks where near where I lived in northeast. Right. And then when we mo- when I, when we got married and I, we moved out or I moved out of my parents' house, she moved out of her parents' house, mm-hmm. uh, it's closer to the Franklin mountains. Mm-hmm. So I would drive there and I lived in your neighborhood. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. On yeah. Nice. Sigma street right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Rented a house there. Uh, so yeah. Then I'd walk in the mountains and then the East side I felt like was an exile because it's such a Godforsaken place. <laughs> no offense to you east-siders out there. And I'm from Northeast, so, you know, sure, I drive a piece of shit, but I have to – or sure, you drive a piece of shit, but I have to envy your piece of shit because <laughs> I have no, – something like that. Anyway, uh, yeah, on the far east side by the Loop, which is all uh, strip uh, malls now. It's all built up. Hospitals. It's crazy. There was nothing there in, yeah. in the 90s. Right. And so – but it was it was a uh a former city dump. Okay. So it was just a nasty place to walk and it was never any fun, but I well, We were
0: joking about Sonoma Ranch earlier this week and that's what Sonoma Ranch is. Is where the dump used to be.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> a tornado and that kind of thing. Yeah, I remember seeing medical waste from the 70s one time. It was just a nasty nice. place, you know. Uh one time I saw half of a cow. Mm-hmm. A cow had been Cut in half. Yeah. Not by aliens, you know. It wasn't cattle mutilation. Was <laughs> so they said, ah, I guess we don't need this half a cow. Yeah, we only need they the other half. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And so I ended up moving my end years at, on the east side. I started driving out instead of walking from my house to the Waco Tanks area.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, Walking yeah. out
1: there. And that was really magical.
0: Yeah, that place. I've heard incredible things about yeah. that place. And
1: then we moved out here, It was. it felt like, yeah, this is... This is the land of my resurrection, as the yeah. Irish saints would say.
0: Yeah, the Waco Tanks thing, before we move on, um, our buddy John Hawk has shared some pretty amazing experiences he's had out there. Yeah, it's a very... S- seems like a, a sacred place for It's sure. a mystical place out yeah, there, yeah. yeah.
1: And so yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to bore everybody. No but, no,
0: but no, I, I mean, no, I think that it, it informs sort of shifting to... Because the person I know, like, I never knew you when you were doing 100 hours a when week. When I was
1: running for office? Yeah.
0: But, so I know you as someone that the majority of their time is spent in this idea of solitude, right? And this idea of yeah of um embracing the aloneness, right? Um, and so I've never seen that, this side of you that you're describing. Okay. And yeah. so...
1: The active, yeah. So, I'm, more, I'm interested in, the active in life.
0: I'm interested in seeing how, how it now. So, it seems as though you used it then when you were as a, um, I think you said the word decompression. So, yeah, decompressing, refueling, you know, just sort of using it to get through the week. Whereas it seems now it's more sort of a mainstay in your life. Yeah. yeah. As far as like the time spent doing it, I guess, maybe. Um,
1: yeah, I remember. When did you see
0: that shift happen?
1: I do. I have a specific memory that just popped up at this moment. Uh, I remember I was in my garage on the far east side, my little pink house, uh, little house on the loop <laughs> over there. And I remember kind of this idea came to me. At the time, I would have said God was speaking to me. Right. Uh, but it was basically this idea that most people in ministry, most pastors, uh, spend the majority of their time in active ministry mm. and then will carve out some brief moments for retreat. Interesting. And I felt like I was supposed to shift and mm. do the opposite. Mm. So my life was that kind of retreat. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was the majority of my time and energy. And then brief slivers of time of active ministry. Interesting. Which seemed impossible to do. You can't make money off of... You could barely make money anyway, Mm -hmm. you know, but Mm -hmm. you can't... It's not popular. It's not something that could be commodified. Uh, But that's... Well, and I think socially... I convicted for that, you know.
0: Socially, it's so against the norm of like Western society you know the grind yeah. and the cells and all this these other things that that um are very common in our western society that that, that is very yeah. interesting and had you had you already started the discernment process of changing the, the the church culture was this even before that it was
1: close probably before it but very okay. close i think okay i do remember it was a very i was having very uh my, my prayer time and relationship with God, if you will, was very first person, second person. In other words, uh, there's there's a separate me and then there's God. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I guess what you'd call the illuminative experience. So it was very emotionally, at the mm-hmm. emotional level. So I do remember feeling this deep tearing away in my, in my soul and psyche. Uh, in the morning when I'd be praying, and then I'd have to only minutes. I had to leave the house to go to work, and feeling a tearing away from oh, God, so to interesting. speak. Interesting. And then you know, having like
0: t- you would have preferred to stay and keep praying. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And
1: so there had to. So there came a transition where this isn't a separate thing. Mm. Uh, you carry it, this presence in you wherever you go, and this presence carries you wherever you're carried. Mm-hmm. And so, so that was a. There was a lot of change and shifting and paradigm transformation back then. This would have been my early thirties, and so, so that was a major thing for me.
0: And the and that tearing away feeling was about the same time where you had this epiphany around your calling to retreat. Yeah. Oh with yeah. Smaller.
1: Yeah. 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 So it's kind of an ironic, yeah. uh, paradoxical. What Revelation, were some of the
0: other you... epiphanies and, and uh, realizations you had built in around that same time?
1: Uh, the value of the the Eucharist started coming up during that time. It was a mystical experience that reminded me of... It was a recalling of the first mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mystical experience I had at age of 12 or so. So that was a major thing.
0: What was uh, the experience that you had?
1: Uh, we were doing a, a, a lent fast, a 40 day fast, which means we would break, we would eat like on Sunday. Well, mm-hmm. everybody did their fast differently. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I did mine where I would eat on Sundays only mm-hmm. for 47 days and then fast the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so I remember kind of praying in my living room. It's like a conversation with God, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, would, I was struggling I would say to my to God thinking it was God it was really you know it's all you uh, and it's all God. Well which where does God begin and where do you well yes and so
0: precisely uh, yeah so <laughs> you're on to something there. but in my mind
1: at the time again I, it was a it was a second person perspective mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. with God I and thou mm-hmm. rather than uh, just I you know mm-hmm. a unitive experience. It's hard to, that's another podcast I guess. I think we've done.
0: I we've stuff on we've that. talked. Yeah, we've definitely talked about it in the, um, is it the three stages? Yeah, then, I think so. And then we added, or not we, but a fourth stage. Yeah. Um, included in that conversation.
1: So so yeah. So it's halfway through this fast, and I was really struggling because uh, I knew intellectually, mentally that doing a great act of devotion like that, a spiritual discipline like that did not make me worthy of God's presence. Okay. But emotionally and deeper than that, I believe that it did. Mm -hmm. And so this conflict was within Mm me and, and I was basically having a conversation in prayer about that, you know, saying, I, I know this doesn't buy my access to your presence, Mm but I secretly believe that it buys my access to your presence. You owe me because I'm not eating.
0: Uh, Well, and it's one of those things too. It's like, God's not going to give you the gold star, but you want the gold star. Yes,
1: exactly. (laughs) I don't care much about gold stars. Hey, how can I get that gold star? God, let me get one of those. Yeah. So so being aware of that conflict and just saying, what what do I do with this? How do I resolve this? What do I do? And then, um, and then there was, uh, and so then I had a vision of that original sacred mm. heart, which was in the context of communion. Mm-hmm. And it was basically the understanding that, uh, as if God was speaking, saying, the only access anyone has ever had to my presence is through my body and through my blood. Mm. Through I'm the one who has provided access freely uh, through wow. through unconditional love, unearned love. Mm-hmm. And so
0: that true hundred percent grace. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had
1: another memory right after that of when I, when I, you know, because it was very dualistic at 17, forgive me. uh, It was either go to the charismatic church and leave the Catholic church. You couldn't do both. Right. Mm. And so, so I went to see this, uh, my religion teacher at cathedral high school who was a member of the, uh, the the Christian Brothers Order mm. and uh, and he w- and I've I've looked him up in recent years. He was not implicated in yes. any scandal, yes. so, even though our principal was <laughs> right <laughs> at the school. I think he's in jail or close to it or something. But but this brother was not, and uh, and so I so I went and talked to him and said told him I was leaving the Catholic Church or whatever for this charismatic experience, and he was very gracious and very uh, open hearted and he. And the only thing, and the only thing he asked me was, he's all, "Will you, will you uh, promise me one thing, though?" And I was like, "What's that?" He said, "Will you not let go of the Eucharist?" Mm. Which is exactly what I ended up doing immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so,
0: so but you came, but you came. The thing is, you came back.
1: To yeah. So that memory came up. Yeah, yeah. When I was like thirty years old, you know, thirteen years later or so, and and yeah, so then it, it was a major revelation of what that sacrament is and universally and personally, and it was life-altering for me, I think.
0: Well, and that's definitely one of the things you've informed me on um, is uh, the significance of the Eucharist, but not in the dogmatic way. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I can point to several conversations we've had um, and, you know, just watching you and how you, you know, you do the Sunday services and stuff like that. And a couple of other, other other conversations I've had with people and sort of, I would say, over the last 10 years, sort of how that's melded. But definitely um, the profoundness of watching you interact with this idea of Eucharist. And, and um, uh, I don't yeah. want to, it's weird to say the lack of gatekeeping, but sort of the, the different perspective. Yeah, you know, because growing up Catholic, I saw it. You know, I saw it as a, as a gate keep. Yeah, you. It's a
1: profession of your worthiness before God, right? Yeah, you're worthy. You went to confession. Yeah. You, well, you, you, you went, haven't been divorced. You, you, you did the
0: first communion. Yeah, right? you've like done like the you started, you Yeah, you, the right you've been class. initiated
1: into the rites. <laughs> so you've done. Uh, yeah, you went to first base, second base, <laughs> right. third base. So now you can. So yeah, and I and I will admit the, the, in recent times I'm not as intentional about that as I was in the, you know in the past. But I think that's what made, but, for me
0: what makes it so profound. Hmm. Cuz even when it's not in this real formal structure, I so a good example is like some of the Saturday so when we do the Saturday services during this Sunday yeah, we've done yeah. that the last couple of years. Um I mean I know you guys have done it in the past too, but in the last couple of years, right, yeah. this is where I've witnessed it, where even if it's a 10 minute thing, the communion is still a part of it. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and so just for me being, cause you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dummy that needs to see things over and over and over again. And so even to see, you know, maybe contrasted to on a Sunday where, you are very intentional about, you know what I mean? Right. Say all the words and do all the things. And then a random Saturday where it's like, uh, yeah, th- this was the gospel. It was good, <laughs> but let's do, you know, but the Euchar- you know, the Eucharist is here as well. It's always the center. Yeah. And it's not, maybe the words aren't quite as formal, you know yeah, what I mean? I'm not like as- it's just, it's a little bit, I don't want to say loosey goosey, but loosey goosey in yeah. comparison and it's like, oh yeah, that's why we get like that's the whole point of us gathering is the words yeah. are really not that important. But what is important is yeah. the, this communion, this divine connection, being reminded that we're one with God. You know, it's not an I, thou. Right. Some, but sometimes it is, right, for us, right, for an individual. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's still that, I am God, God is me, be reminded, do it every week. Yeah. Do it every day. Do it every minute if you can. But um, I mean, I guess that for me, watching you, is that's what oh. the profound part about, I guess oh, that's cool. what I'm trying to articulate.
1: I guess I was just thinking about what uh, uh, our friend Bella said to me recently. She, she spits her summers- Hopefully it's not about
0: Orinthal James.
1: <laughs> <She's>, no. <laughs> she spent her summers here in childhood and mm-hmm. you know, she's an uh, independent yeah young person now and she and she looked at me and she said this place isn't what it used to be (laughs) and so that's where i'm coming from (laughs) you know and i couldn't the the fucking best oh yeah she just (laughs) gutted me you know so uh so yeah so i that's what i mean by maybe i'm not as intentional about things as i should be or could be whatever
0: but nothing is <laughs> but that's the problem too nothing is the way it used to be right like well, that's yeah, true yeah. about literally yeah. everything cuz things are constantly ever growing ever evolving ever yeah. you know more insight you know what i mean yeah. um, she she
1: is a young person and young people are filled with nostalgia and they must have their say <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think all people are filled with nostalgia, but I think if you're older of, and filled with nostalgia, I think
1: you, you need to grow up. But anyway, I, I'm aware. Well, but
0: that that's the thing, though. There's a bunch of boomers that haven't grown up and are yeah. still Peter Pan yeah, and filled with nostalgia. <laughs> and I have deep resentment. And they want to remind <laughs> you what they did did for you 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you want to keep score? Thanks. That way, we huh? we were having a good conversation
1: <laughs> here. Now, now you dragged up all my resentments and, and, des- um, and despising uh, spirit towards baby boomers. If well, you're a baby boomer listening out there, it's not you. It's the other ones. Yeah, it's it's
0: you. <laughs> um, no, but so we're winding. So I want to go back to this where you where these epiphanies or these insights were coming up. Yeah, for a you. very
1: active time. Yeah,
0: and so. This would have been
1: like 99, 2000.
0: Um, and so through the and I think we've explored the idea of or not the idea, but the actual like moving or the, the beginning of Desert Rain, I guess would be the way yeah. to say. It. So 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 all these are kind of building up to this um, adventure into desert rain, as you will, with with yeah, the, with the founders and the 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 many people. Um, and if people are interested, if if you're relatively new to this podcast and interested about that, we did a series a couple of years ago called yeah. "Road to Desert Rain," um, where I talked to just about everyone that was in that early, those early founding day, and, and people that have come along since, obviously. Yeah. Um, I wish I about, wish you
1: could have talked with Sal Fiero, mm-hmm. Rose Fiero, or or Ernie Nedia. That would have been good, but so they've passed away.
0: Those things that that you had then those par, you know, sort of those, the paradox yeah, shifting the, and changing, shifting, yeah. um, coming back into what, what, I don't even know what month we're in. August of 2023. August. Yeah. How have you seen those that have informed your recent history? You know, so maybe, maybe the last year. And, and the reason I bring up the recent history is because, you know, you and I have been engaged engaged in a lot of creative endeavors. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it, it just it seems like new stuff is is sprouting up and and um evolving through and not just me and you, the entire community. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like there's been a lot of changes and shifts and and you know, people, you know, whether it's graduating school or you know what I mean, yeah. checking off some of these other boxes.
1: Um Yeah, I would think, you know, going back to the quote, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's a, uh, being alone is not the same as loneliness. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think what has happened to me over the years is that I'm not dependent on being out in nature, uh, or, you know, or the desert to experience the spirit of being alone, the solitude itself. So. I've experienced it in crowded places mm. and, and it's, and it creates connection. It's a weird thing because mm-hmm. it's anti-connection. It mm-hmm. appears to be anti yeah. connected, but it's actually causes connection. So, and uh, so a lot of times there's like,
0: uh, well, and just to juxtapose yeah. that I can think about towards the end of my drinking and I was in a crowded bar right, around a bunch of people and I couldn't have been lonelier. Mm. I couldn't have felt more lonely in a crowd disconnected. I think a lot of um, people feel that way. I think so too. That's the experience. But I can, I can, I can vividly remember um, in, in Tempe, Arizona, I can't remember the name of the bar, but just standing there almost in the center. If you went like front to back and it was just packed out on a Friday or Saturday night and just looking looking both ways and being like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. Anyone here, and it was even deeper than just not knowing right. people because yeah. I could just turn to someone and be like, Hey, what's going yeah. on? Yeah, you know, what you I couldn't even make
1: eye contact, you're but like just, invisible, just totally <laughs> happened to me at a Vineyard <laughs> National Conference. Interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah and I so make eye contact with anyone, and so so bizarre. 2000 people there
0: being crowded and disconnected, and there's the other side of it. What's well, they're not connected. There's a different there's another experience where you're in a crowded yeah. and feel connect because I've had that too, where you feel connected to everybody. Yeah, regardless. On some weird, you might not, you know, you might only know a handful of people's names. Yeah. But there's still this connection that's like vibrating through or or sort of rippling yeah. through. Um anyways, that just came to yeah. mind as you were sharing that. And
1: and you can find it's strange in public. So you don't so if you don't have the access to nature, this is what I'm, I guess I'm trying mm, okay, to say. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are these places called liminal spaces, and mm-hmm. I guess it's a trending thing on the internet, or it was oh, interesting. 10 minutes ago. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you're our pop culture connoisseur, Mr. West. Have you heard of the phenomenon of of, of uh, liminal space uh, between spaces? and yeah, yeah. So... You know, buildings, public spaces have these between spaces, mm-hmm. uh, and people freak out. You know, it's used to to cause discomfort. You know, mm-hmm. on the internet, but it, but they actually become very this aloneness there feeds your connectedness. So, for example, I was at a conference at the uh, with, with the Living School, the, mm-hmm. the Richard Roars. The Center for Action and Contemplation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was a big conference. There was probably, I don't know, yeah. two thousand people there at this. Um, it's the the hotel. Uh, oh
0: yeah. The. Uh, it's in downtown. Did it every? Yeah, he did yeah. it there
1: all the time. Uh, I can't. Remember. Sorry, I can't. And give we you and it.
0: we even went. Yeah. To it, for your graduation that one time. Old
1: Town. Albuquerque, old the town. bigger, yeah,
0: the bigger area is definitely called old town Albuquerque. Yeah. The name of the actual ho- I hotel. The I couldn't remember. It.
1: So anyway, so this, you know, all day long, all weekend long, this actually, this was a week long conference. It was four or five days mm-hmm. and packed with people, you know, we yep. ate there too. So yep. it was, yep. uh, and then, you know, when the conference was over, it was like, it was just, I was walking around at night waiting for someone. Mm. I was going to go get a drink with them somewhere else. And, uh, and just i was walking down these corridors completely empty mm, right 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 and yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. a very cool feeling it yeah. was a feeling of aloneness yes but also this liminal space mm. uh the denver airport we were just talking about yep. that, is yep. that is very much like desolate. that <laughs> uh how they stay open these, i don't know yeah you're on this you're walk- going down this giant corridor and you're you're Dave Bowman in 2001: the, the Space Odyssey. You're just With one alone. one
0: person sleeping against the wall. <laughs> they yeah. Missed their flight. You're like, did I just enter?
1: The, did I just enter the monolith here? Yeah. Sorry. So there. And when we were at the plaza uh, last October, I went behind stage, behind the curtain, and that was a very liminal oh, space. Oh, the actual theater. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. It right, fosters right, right, right. a sense of aloneness. Mm-hmm. But it, but it can uh, be an antidote to loneliness is what I'm trying to say. I think I just took the whole podcast off.
0: No, but I, I so I think the plaza is a good example. I didn't go back there, but some of the things you recounted to me were like in the, is I guess it would be called the green room. Right, people, yeah. People had, yeah. had signed the wall. And so you're there in that moment, right? You're standing there in that moment. Yeah. But- you're also connected to anyone, and that's a very historical theater. Right. So anyone that has ever performed there historically, from the from the time it opened to the time you were standing there, there's a connection there. And everyone that has performed there since and will even into the future, um, there's this very real connection. Yeah. Right. And so for you, and not everyone that walks into that green room is going to like understand that or acknowledge it.
1: No, it's just that they're big time. But
0: the fact that you... Performers.
1: I had nothing that. to lose. Well, no, yeah. I think
0: I think big time performers... I, I've i listened to enough podcasts with enough comedians that they do... They reflect deeply. Recognize news. those things. Oh,
1: okay. They're not so caught um, up in the...
0: You know what I mean? Now, I'm not going to speak for all of them, obviously, but I, I do think there is... I think if you've grown up, or not grown up, if you've spent enough time performing, there is an appreciation for those things. And it's okay. not a hundred percent. Nothing is right. 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 But I do think there is, um, especially something like that, that particular theater. Cause yeah. you walk in, you don't even have to know the history of that place. You walk into the plaza and you feel the history of that yeah. place pretty immediately. Um, anyways. So going back to this idea of a, of yeah, a liminal yeah, space. Liminal spaces in public. You're, you're alone and you're feeling this, connection standing in that green room.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's an interesting thing that could feed your soul, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not, you know, foolproof. It's not, you know, these spaces aren't exactly always safe, right? Well, the stairwells of a large building, you know, it could be a,
0: and it's, it's not risky,
1: dangerous place.
0: We're not talking about math equations, right? Right. We're talking about the spiritual realm and, and, you and I have talked about it, about um, community specifically, solitude specifically. You can, um, uh, you always word it much better. Put the intention, put the, build the space, maybe not a physical space, but create the space. Yeah. But yeah. that doesn't mean you're going to experience solitude. Oh, you can yeah, bring yeah, people yeah. together. That doesn't mean you're going to experience community. the gift has to come. Yeah, there's a there's a third mystery element. Um, so you could you could go. Someone <laughs> could walk into the Plaza Theater right now and be like, "Man, this place is a dump." Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean. Like exactly. just because you go to these liminal spaces doesn't mean you're going to have yeah. that connected feeling. Um, you can only foster right these things and see what happens.
1: And sometimes, yeah, it's it's a. It does take a little bit of effort mm-hmm. yep. on your part, a discipline, uh, and then and then and so that's you running on the on the, uh, the what do you call it the the runway, mm-hmm. but the then runway moments runway. you might lift off, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But then you're you know, so like an airport is a definitely a liminal space, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and you can feel you know like if different airports are, if you're I would guess if you're in uh, Orlando that's a probably terrible experience because <laughs> <laughs> everyone was at the everyone, happiest place on earth and they're leaving. miserable as hell, right? <laughs> everyone's
0: living. They were all at Disney. Disney world and they're <laughs>
1: flying back to Akron, Ohio or wherever they're pissed and their kids like, are cranky. This. And so that, but, but, uh, let me give an example. So I was, I started off doing this. I had to fly to, uh, Seattle, Washington, uh, And I wasn't happy, but I don't like traveling Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm lazy and it takes effort to Mm -hmm. prepare a trip and what will my cats do without me, you know, all those things. And so, uh, but I started doing, this was intentional. I was aware of this. I did it on purpose, Mm -hmm. started to connect everything. I I think I was reading a book by Thich Nhat Hanh at the time, which was Buddhist Mm practitioner of being aware so you know, so I was walking and uh, on the on the carpet. So I would notice my the feel of mm. my feet on the carpet, mm-hmm. uh, and then people made that carpet, mm. and so I felt their presence, if you will. Mm-hmm. I was connected mm-hmm. to those people that created, and then there's people that designed that carpet. So I was mm-hmm. create, so I was connected to them. And there are people that delivered that carpet, and there are people that installed, installed that carpet, it, right. and there are hundreds and hundreds, of thousands that have walked on that carpet before me mm-hmm. and I'm and then after me and so so th- but there were moments where so I did this the whole layover mm-hmm. and the trip I think I laid over in Phoenix and then once in Las Vegas after a fight in fact <laughs> oh yeah you uh, told me so about entourages that. the hangover <laughs> smell of sweat in the air was there uh, people coming out of the bathrooms out wiping out of the bathroom. their mouths because they just thrown up uh, it was crazy but yeah I could feel the the connection of of all these people. And so some of it was a mental exercise, but then there are moments where it would lift off and I could experience the, the actual oneness of all of it all. Uh, and my connection with it. And that was in the context of, they moved my seat and one, one thing sat me next between these two women and they were very put out that I was put between them. <laughs> they were mad. They despised my presence. Right. There. So it was, it was even in the context of all of that.
0: Yeah. Um, well I so, yeah. I think that's a perfect like that story because it's not so if you're feeling that loneliness yeah um i can that could be a a shitty place to be
1: absolutely right
0: yeah. and then we're talking about the other side or the different context of being alone right and and to get from loneliness to alone is a pretty usually from people I've talked to in my ex- own experience with those two things, it's a huge gap. Oh yeah. Right. And so what you're sharing about this discipline that worked for you in the, in that moment yeah, um, and just doing it right. You're saying it's, it's an intellectual enterprise to start off with. It started off that way. Yeah. And Mental. it evolves. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Um, one of the things, you know, one of the things we read before we turned on the mic was this thing of, of um, gratitude. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times I see people start the gratitude list as an intellectual right. endeavor. And then whether it's days, weeks, months, it evolves into this really beautiful person becoming grateful. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, and just so this idea of discipline, this idea of it being kind of corny or annoying at first, maybe. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and, and it evolving and changing where you know, who knows how long it'll take? No one, it's, it,
1: anyone you tells know, yeah. you,
0: yeah, you just, there's no way to tell, but I've
1: all seen the documentary, the karate kid, <laughs>
0: you know. but getting from <laughs> loneliness to being comfortable alone. Yeah. And then that'll grow into this, you know, kind of how this conversation has evolved to this idea of being in a liminal space where all things feel connected. Um,
1: yeah, and it increases possible. your capacity, language I would use, which would be to interact with presence, the presence mm-hmm. of God, mm-hmm. fullness of presence uh, in the in the midst of absence, in the midst of being alone. And it's, yeah, becomes well, a, a breathing in and a breathing out, if you will.
0: And I think this this actually kind of comes full circle to where we started with this idea of the gospel from this past week. Jesus yeah. went up on the mountain alone to be alone with God. Yeah. And then he was able to go down and, and walk on water, preach to people, all of these yeah. things, right? You experienced that. the fish and
1: the bread. And-
0: of spending that time in the desert alone so that you, you could teach full-time, that you could have yeah. these prayer meetings, have a, have a service every Sunday and then for whatever reason that shifted in you and you started having these epiphanies right it didn't shift yeah. overnight right that no it was sort a couple of, this, of years. this growing thing and and so i guess anyone that's listening that that would be the thing that i would point out is like the time alone is for you to be able to commune with with god or your higher power however however you acknowledge it so that you can be in the world Right, whatever that looks, because for every individual, that's going to look different, right? Exactly. Our our space in the world is is going to look extremely different, but being intentional about using that alone time, whether it's in nature, whether it's in a liminal space, whether it's you know maybe maybe it's in your bathroom, sitting on the toilet alone, you know what I mean? Like yeah, wherever it might be, wherever you might have that opportunity, um, if you can use that opportunity.
1: Steal away, yeah.
0: Um, coming close to time. I don't know if there's anything else on your mind or, or heart of is, is in context of this this greater this bigger conversation that that we're having that um, that you want to leave off I d-
1: on. I, I might have mentioned this before, but it just comes to my memory. Uh, uh, years ago, I was walking up our road at night here. And so I was walking up away. uh, I was walking West. Mm -hmm. And then as I was walking behind me, a full moon was coming up Mm -hmm. over the E in the East. So when I turned around to go back towards East, there's this giant, huge full moon. And I remember feeling a a panicky feeling inside because, uh, uh, my wife and daughter weren't with me Mm -hmm. to see it. And this feeling of, this is an amazing event, there's an amazing view of beauty and there's no one here to experience it with me. So there was this moment of panic mm-hmm. and then there was a, a realization that uh, they are with me mm-hmm. and I'm with them and not only that, there are probably at this very moment, literally thousands of people seeing this and I'm I'm one with them as well and so there was this calmness that came after the, the panicky feeling. Yeah. I don't know if I've talked about that before but it's beautiful but man. that was yeah that was a a good good experience and so I've learned to take that with me mm-hmm. in, in future situations
0: you feel complete
1: I don't know about complete but you know I'm ready for lunch there I you go. go I could go it's I about, can eat it's about that time
0: <laughs> Uh thank you Danny West thank you sir uh, editing sound engineering producing setting up our mics just right Um, thank you Mr. Morrison
1: Señor Masson
0: We've done a, another one. Uh, thank you to Jacob Nedia. That's what you hear in the background. Uh, he might be joining us for a conversation in the near future. That'd be good. Um thank you to everyone listening. We appreciate you tuning in. If you if you haven't got dreamwalkerway.com, if you haven't got David's book yet. We've uh, we've had some sales this month. I think we've sold thirteen Yay. for the month of August. It's almost averaging one a day. That's pretty good. Um, oh, the Kindle version too. Pick oh, that yeah. up if you haven't. If you don't want a physical copy, um, help us out. Um, and next week, Danny and I are meeting up to finally finish the audiobook, So we will be putting that on Audible for anyone that's interested in that. And um, I
1: think that's it. That's why it? I know.
0: And let's get into it.